Abba Yahweh, again, allowing me to conduit your truth, knowledge, and wisdom. Father God, thank you for this opportunity, brothers and sisters, for you to hear the words I speak and listen to what is said. His truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. Abba Yahweh, Amen. So, um, we're going to be traveling through a number of different places in the Bible, and to be quite honest with you, as a younger man, a younger uh, Christian in reading, uh, some of these things are just, and I've shared this with you before, is that when you go through the Bible and you read through some of the scriptures, you just sort of... uh, Sometimes you'll pass over the scriptures. And quite honestly, this is uh, my mentor. We're talking about these things. And wow, it's not just the wind. Hear me when I say this. It's not just the wind. It is a device. Is it a tool? And it is under the sovereignty of Lord God Almighty. And I'll say again to start out on this segment, episode, that those of you that declare that God does not do this anymore, you have no authority to quench the spirit and tell people and teach people false doctrine and lies about the Spirit of God. You do not have the authority to stop the rush of the mighty wind. That is the breath of God that comes to us from the throne of heaven. And if God is going to use his gifts and bestow this, none of you have the authority nor the power to stop it, period. And just like Peter, I shared that with you when Peter told him. And he wasn't talking about people that are sinners and, and, uh, well, can't use that terminology because we all sin, come short of the glory of God. He was telling those that were believing and they wanted to come and hear the teaching and the preaching and they wanted to hear the testimony. He said, repent. Repent and be baptized through Jesus Christ and you can have the Holy Spirit. Now, as I continued in the reading on that, and that is, remember, that's in the book of Acts. That's right after that rush of the mighty wind. And suddenly there came a sound from from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Further, also, this is to refute that false teaching and doctrine of those people that said that it doesn't happen anymore. You're a fool and you need to repent and get it right. Because I tell you, and I'm, yeah, I'm coming at you straight up. You're a fool if you're going to say that you are going to control the Holy Spirit and that God doesn't do it anymore. Where in the Bible do you see anywhere that it says that? If you're teaching in a church and you're saying that God does not do that anymore, I want you to get a scripture, 
and just post on Facebook. You don't even have to use my name. You don't have to use your name. You just say anonymous and you say, this is for Raven Whitehawk. And I'll go look at that scripture and I'll go to the word of God. I'll go to his guidebook, his roadmap and his instruction book. And if I find that scripture in here and this Bible tells me that I will not bestow the gifts of the Spirit on anyone anymore because you have technology and you have all this and you don't need them. Then and only then. But then I'm going to try the Spirit. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to find that in the Bible because I haven't found it anywhere in 65 years. There is nowhere in the Bible. However, here it does say this. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ and for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Remember I shared with you already, I don't think this is talking about distance. It is from Judea to Damascus and such like that, or as it would take them to walk into Syria. I don't think they're talking about that. And the Holy Spirit allowed it to continue and it still sits and resides in me. So I know that, that I am doing the right thing and saying the right thing. This is talking about a far off. This is talking about me. Peter was talking about me back then. When he said, your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I've been called. God's given me the permission. God tells me to do this. It is about his business. I am. And the gifts of the spirit. So you want to dispute that with me? That's okay. Head on with it. Because I'm not going to confront you about it. I'm not going to be confrontational. But I'll be praying for you because the Spirit tells me I'm right. And further, I'm going to share some more about this wind thing. My goodness gracious. Found a lot of stuff about wind. But here's the thing that God uses the wind. It is a decisive tool. And it's referenced in the Bible many times. And the sovereignty of Lord God Almighty is declared and always, always the declaration is made that God is sovereign and he's sovereign over all those things. Look what happened. I, I shared already. I shared again. Look what happened when they went in the sailboat. And they got afraid. Jesus was laying down resting. He was tired. But they were so afraid. Really? That something was going to happen with Jesus on the boat with them? So they went back and they disturbed his rest. They woke him up. Oh, Jesus, we've walked with you for this long a time and we've seen you do all these things, and but yet we, we were so afraid. 
And what did he tell him when he got up? He said, oh, ye of little faith. He gave him a gentle rebuke. And then he just turned around, turned away from them. Didn't even pay attention to them anymore. And he just put his hands out and said, peace be still. And the winds ceased to blow. The sovereignty of Lord Jesus Christ, our God, over the winds that blow. And when you read through the Bible and the scriptures, it references the Holy Spirit nearly all the time as wind. The Holy Spirit moves as the wind. The Spirit of God is upon the face of the deep. Oh, the Spirit of God is on the face of the waters. Oh my God. It just, I just, I, I got this visual, I closed my eyes and everything is so dark and just the light of God is, is shining. Hmm. It's there and then seeing the water, the rippling of the surface of the water because he's moving on the face of the deep. And directions of the winds are oftentimes um, described, and many times actually, the, the wind of judgment and the wind of, I'm trying to think of a word. Well, the wind of judgment comes from the east. And whenever there's reference of something that is going on, it's talking about the wind from the east. And the first reference that we get to that, we read about in dreams that were happening to Pharaoh. And keep in mind that when you read or you hear people speak, and they, they should be doing it correctly, I would think, if they knew what they were doing. When you talk about northerly winds, that's not winds that are blowing toward the north. Those are winds that are blowing from the north. I know it sounds almost kind of contrary to how it's said, but that's what it is. Northerly winds are winds that come from the north. Easterly winds are winds that come from the east. Westerly winds come from the west, and southerly winds come from the south. And keep in mind, too, I, I mean, this is, a, this is a fascinating visit. Hmm. I found it to be so. That understand that thousands of years ago, they didn't have meteorologists. They didn't have a lot of things that were going on that were requiring technology. Here's another slap for you, for all you you uh, foolish individuals that want to talk about God doesn't need the, those gifts anymore because of the technology. Well, let me, let me, I'm, I'm getting warmed up here. 
just sit back, pull the seatbelt tight, hang on to the safety bar that comes down in front of you because this is going to be a good one. So you all declaring all this technology and everything that we have, but how do you respond to the fact that 2,000 some years ago that the lighthouse at uh, Philadelphia, which if I'm not mistaken, this is one of the seven wonders of the world, and the light from that lighthouse could be seen, I believe I read it, Somewhere I'm not certain. I'll have to find that and make sure I'm I'm speaking truthfully. The spirits let me keep going five miles out into the ocean. So the question that I have for you, techno geeks that say that God isn't going to share the gifts of the spirit anymore because we have technology. So how do you explain to me, if you will? attempt to, the fact that this lighthouse can be seen five miles out into the dark ocean, no overhead lights and a new moon, so that means that the ocean is really, really dark. They didn't have any running lights on the ships other than lanterns, but yet this lighthouse was seen five miles out in the ocean with no halogen lamps, no LED, there's no electricity. They were burning oil. And the surface that they polished and made reflective was what was behind the burning wick. And that could be seen five miles out into the dark ocean. It was, granted, it was a very tall lighthouse. And it would probably take a couple days for somebody to walk from the base to the top of that thing. So that's why they started living in lighthouses, by the way. Um, so you have such a long walk to get up there and somebody had to be on watch, making sure that the oil didn't burn out, making sure that that lamp was lit. And sailors would know that they had to enter on the correct side of that light because if they did not, they would run into the stones or they would run aground on reefs. So that's one thing in technology. Back to the winds. So now Joseph is interpreting dreams from this Pharaoh. And we can actually find this. We go back into the book of Genesis. Ah, the rule of faith. Regula fidie. The rule of faith. We go back into Genesis 41.6. And we're going to find in Genesis 41.6. Um... The dream is being interpreted, and he was having these dreams, and he it says, uh, I'm going to back up to verse 4. So, verse 4. And the ill-favored and lean flesh. You know what? I'm just going to read 41.1. I'm going to do 41.1. I'm sorry. And it came to pass at the end of the two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and flat and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. Those are cows, by the way. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and seven well-favored and fat kind 
So Pharaoh awoke. It startled him. He didn't, he didn't understand. So Joseph was interpreting. So Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed. The second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came up on one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So it startled him to wake. And he asked Joseph to interpret this dream. And of course, if you've read the scriptures and you've read the references and the relation to the dream, Joseph was talking about the seven good years and the seven lean years and that they would have to put up food to stores. And further talking about winds, we're going to go into Exodus, the book of Exodus, continue reading about wind. And we're going to find in Exodus 10, 13, pardon me, I thought I marked it, I didn't, but that's okay because I got the year anyway. So in Exodus 10, 13, and the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that they may come up upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb and of the land even that the hail hath left. Now remember, before the locusts, the pestilence that they came, that it had hailed fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed crops and burned up things. And now God's really coming. Now the locusts are coming and they're going to eat up the rest that the hail didn't destroy. And Moses stretched forth his rod over the land of Egypt. And the Lord, the Lord brought up, brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. So that wind coming from the east was blowing all day, blowing all night, and then in the morning, the east wind continued. And who's that knocking on the door? Locus. But now you know that I'm kind of jumping a little bit, but that's okay. Just bear with me, please. In everything that God does, well, most of what God does, not everything, mostly. Blessings come in breaking. And and everything God does, I just got corrected. And everything that God does Blessings come in the breaking. That you're going to have to give something up, get rid of something, something's going to happen, but you're going to get blessed. You're going to get blessed. It doesn't matter. 
But here we're going to look over here and we're going to talk about wind again. Now we're going to go over to Exodus 10. Eighteen. So now you know that now Pharaoh is pretty broke. Actually, we're gonna we're going back to sixteen. No, we're gonna go back to fifteen. Sorry. So for they covered the face of the whole earth, talking about the locusts, and the land was darkened, and they did eat every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. <clears throat> so whatever the hail missed, the locusts took care of it. There remained not any green thing in the trees or in the herbs of the field through all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste. And he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, forgive me, I pray thee, my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. And he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a mighty, strong west wind, which took away the locusts and cast them into the Red Sea. And there remained not one locust in all the coasts of Egypt. So he brought the judgment from the east wind and he took it out from the west wind and got rid of it. The sovereign Lord God Almighty. And let's not forget that Jesus talking about the winds when he was talking to Nicodemus on the rooftop. And we're going to jump over here to Jonah. Where am I finding Jonah? I do have a marked. I do, I do, I do. And we're going to go to Jonah because it's very important because there has to be a talk about the wind there. And it does happen. Um, in case you're not familiar with Jonah, it's a very short book of the Bible. Jonah was told by God that he was going to go, that he wanted him to go uh, down to Nineveh and cry out to the people because they were pretty bad. They were pretty wicked. Well, Jonah didn't like that. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. So he took off and he decided he was going to go to Tarshish. And he was going to run there to get out of the presence of the Lord. And he went to Joppa, which is a port city. Uh, and he found a ship that was going to Tarshish. So he paid for a ride and he went to go with him. <laughs> Here's more. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest, and so that the ship was like to be broken. 
Then the mariners were afraid, and they cried out to every man on for his God. Every man unto his God. And that's something. So you had 30 crew members and 30 different gods that they were all crying out to. And they started throwing everything off and everything they could. And, and so when the shipmaster came down and Jonah was sleeping. And he said, you get up, cry unto your God. And ask him not to destroy us. So they didn't know what had taken place and why the ship was out there and getting tossed around. So they cast lots to see who they were going to get rid of. And it fell on Jonah. And then they bugged him about why this was all going on. And he told them. And then they became more afraid and more agitated. So what they did is he tossed them. And they tossed them in. And some of you might know that God provided a large fish. Yes, there are people that call it a whale. However, the scripture doesn't say that. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So now we're talking about wind again. God brought up the wind. And when Jonah got to Nineveh, and the reason he was supposed to go down there, he was going to preach to the people and get them to turn away from their sinful ways and to, to repent and, and all that, and that God was going to burn them down. He was going to do to them like he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Jonah was thinking he was going to get to that. He was going to be preaching. And he was going down there finally, relenting because he got swallowed by a big fish that he was going to go down. So Jonah started to enter in the city and, and he was going to go. It, was, it took him about a day to get there. And he cried out for them. And he was telling them that it was going to be a matter of time uh, let me find out here, uh, 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a, f a fast, and what they did is they repented. They turned from their evil ways and they repented. 
God honored their fast and their repentance. Well, that just sort of ticked Jonah off with God because he had put Jonah through a whole bunch of stuff because Jonah didn't want to do what he was called to do by the Lord God Almighty anyway. And there's a lot of self-proclaimed Christians that are quite a bit like that. Let me get on that high horse. He calls us to be about his business, share the word and do our father's business. That's all he asks us to do. And there are individuals that won't do that. I get embarrassed. Um, you know, I talk funny. I got a limp. I this, I this, I this. I... Moses had a litany of excuses as well, but he still went to Egypt. At any rate, Jonah was upset because he went down there and told them that the city was going to be blown off the earth and God was going to level it so forth and such and such, but they repented. And because God is a forgiving God, he is a forgiving God, they repented. And the reason he didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah is because they didn't repent. Instead, they wanted to do things to the angels that came and they tried to convince Lot to send the angels out so that they could know them, have carnal knowledge with them and he was going to offer his daughters instead. But they went out a back door and the angels told him, said, you need to get out of here and you need to get now because we are going to blow this city away. So that's what Jonah thought was going to happen in Nineveh. But it didn't. And he was a little upset. And then we find in chapter four of Jonah. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness and repentance thee of repentance repentest the of the evil because it wasn't good. He was, he was going to level them out because they were doing the same thing that Sodom and Gomorrah were doing, but they repented. So just like Jonah said right there, he said, I know you're good. I know you're merciful. I know you're gracious. And I knew you were going to forgive them. Even I came down here to do this anyway. And I was going to, the city was going to get, leveled, erased, and go away. And you forgave them. You forgave them anyway. Oh, God. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, do us well to be angry. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth. And he sat under it in the shadow until he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah so that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. So he built this little shelter. They call it a booth. It's just sort of a It's mostly three-sided, and they 
set it in there and then they can put different things over it, branches and sometimes they use cloth and different things. But he was out in the open and it was kind of sunny so he did that. So he sat in there and God felt for him and he let this gourd vine grow up over there. And so here's the reality, and this is what we often do, is God has us do something, but we throw a tantrum because we don't want to do it. And that's exactly what Jonah was doing here. He was throwing a tantrum. Now, further in verse seven, but God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. So whatever the worm did, if it went up and it ate through the vine that the gourd was attached, so now there was no nourishment coming to the, the gourd. And it didn't take long so that the gourd dried up and withered. And all it was growing was drying up, blowing away. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind. Where's it coming from? It's coming from the east. Vehement. East wind. That's, uh, that's a pretty powerful wind. It's kind of... Uh, it's not a tornado, um, but it's a strong wind. It's a really... It's almost like God, God's letting him know that he was angry at him without screaming at him, but he's letting him know, this is not good, Jonah. So a vehement east wind, which is a strong east wind with a lot of energy. So that east wind came and it was blowing hard. Pretty much not gonna have any shelter. So now the sun was out and it beat upon the head of Jonah and he fainted because it was so hot and he wished that he was dead. It was hot and it was better that he would die. But God spoke to him and said, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? See, he's throwing back at Jonah kind of what Jonah was complaining to him. And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. So basically God is just saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Jonah, you're, you're trying to put me in my place, but listen, that gourd, I brought it up in a single night and I took it away in a single night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons? They cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. 
So God took pity on them. They were doing a lot of things that were not good to one another and to other people and basically ripping people off. But they repented. They repented of their ways. They repented of doing that wickedness to neighbors, to each other. And God said, okay, I forgive you. And Jonah himself sat right there and still got mad at God because he knew, he said, I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to forgive him. You're a good God. You're a gracious God. You're a kind God. You're, you're forgiving. I knew you were going to do it. So basically, I came down here for nothing. You had me do all that that I did for nothing. And you didn't even throw one brimstone at the city and knock down anything. So he threw a tantrum and he ran off. Well, that's where they had to kind of put him in his place. And he brought that wind of judgment that comes out of the east. So now we're going to go to another book that talks about the wind. Where are you, Jose? I've got a mark. I do. I do, I do, I do. Oh, that one. Sorry. It's on the other side of Joel. My apologies. So now again, we have talking about God and his wind. And we have in Hosea 1315. And we're talking about Ephraim, who was not a very good guy. He had done some things. He's a pretty powerful warrior. But God is bringing something to him because he's not following God's precepts or his tenets. Not a good guy. And in Hosea 15, though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come. The wind of the Lord shall come upon come up from the wilderness and his spring shall become dry and his fountain shall be dried up and he shall spoil the treasures of all the pleasant vessels. So he is bringing a judgment to them because Ephraim had disobeyed and he's bringing a wind of judgment that comes from the east. I had an interesting thought. So, I'm going to share it because in throwing out a, one of those bullet prayer things that I do, Look around and see what's going on. Where does most all of this come from? Which direction? 
And then, of course, there are those of you out there that are going to get your knickers all twisted up and be offended about what I'm bringing up. But why? Why are you going to get offended by the truth? Are you listening to all this stuff that's going on and seeing all this and paying attention to anything in the news? But hear what I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you about the Lord God Almighty. This nation has turned its back on God. Used to be one nation under God. We used to have prayer starting Congress every single time that they came into session before the State of the Union address by presidents that I can remember when I was a kid. I used to see it. They used to have prayer, first words prayer, then they said the Pledge of Allegiance, and then they banged the gavel and started their session. Every time, and it was televised. It was televised. And I can remember being in people's homes where they were praying with the pastor who was saying the prayer over Congress. This nation has turned its back on the Lord God Almighty. Hashim, Lord thy God. They've turned their back. And now they want to deny his existence. They attack his very favored. And anything that comes up about religious faith or belief, people are ostracized or alienated. The government wants to go after them. And there's nothing that has changed all of that in the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence, all those declarations that are made. And then you have some guy that's going to come in there and say, I can do this because I am so-and-so. Well, guess what? Your authority doesn't actually allow you to do that, but you make it something that you have decided, and then you have your little gophers that are going to do it for you. Brother and sister, we have turned our back on the Lord God Almighty, and he's not happy. And everything that's mostly coming, where's it coming from? It's coming from the east. Just a point of reference, I thought I'd share that with you. Thought I'd share that with you. But what we knew, what we do, is we need to remain in prayer. And even those egregious individuals that are not doing their job very well, we still need to pray for them. And keep them in prayer because that's what we are told to do. Pray for the kings and the princes. And I told you that's Bible speak for presidents, governors. We need to pray for them. They could repent. It could happen. We can't judge them for what they do. So now we're going to go to Job. Staying up in the Old Testament, we're going to go visit some more wind. In Job... 37, Job 37, heading over there, just about there, here we go, and we're going to be in Job 37, 14 through 18, actually, based on what I just shared, I'm going to actually, verse 13. He causeth it to come, whether for correction, 
for or for his land or for mercy. Hearken unto this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. And that's stated in a number of places in the Bible. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that Hashem is the Lord thy God. Dost thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his cloud to shine? Dost thou know the balance of things of the clouds, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge? How thy garments are warm when he quieteth the earth by the south wind. Hast thou with him spread out the sky, which is strong and as a molten looking glass? Talking about the sovereignty of Lord God. And we need to be aware of this thing. We need to be aware of that thing the sovereignty of Lord God. So we're going to go to Luke. I'm going to jump back to the New Testament. We're going to Luke 12. And go to Luke 12 and 55. Well, actually 54. And he said also to the people, when you see a cloud rise out of the west, straight away you say, there cometh the shower. And it happens. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be heat. And it comes to pass. But then he rebukes them. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time? You see all the stuff that happens around you, but you have the lesson and the teaching and you don't want to hear it. And you don't want to hear it. Now we're going to go Back to the Old Testament. And we're going to visit Numbers 11. And we're going to be down here. Verse 28. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of the young men answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses scattered him into the camp and he and the elders of Israel 
And there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quail from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey. So what this is the, the revealing here is talking about some of this agitation that's going back and forth. And they were all mad at Moses and he was trying to get them to understand things and they weren't. They were just angry, they were upset, they were hungry and they were griping, complaining and Joshua was trying to be in leadership and they were upset with him. And so Moses talked to God. And these individuals were not happy in the camp. Moses was trying to take it. So he went to the Lord. Lord brought wind. He brought a west wind from the sea that brought the quail to the camp. And then there was another wind and, and they swirled about the camp. Now you got to understand something here. We're not talking just a small camp. There were, oh, I had it in a sidebar. I forget what the number is. But we're talking multiple, multiple thousands of people that were from the nation of Israel that were in Egypt. Plus those that were friends of theirs that decided that they wanted to leave with them and they did. So we're talking about multiple thousands of people there that came. And as later in the scripture, they talk about the strangers. That's what they're talking about, the strangers. But anyway, here we go, 31. And there went a forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp. As it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side. Round about the camp as if it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. So now they're starving, they're griping to God and you have uh, individuals in the camp that are talking bad about Moses and Joshua and all this other stuff. And Moses is kind of beside himself and Joshua's going to go out and handle business because he's a military leader. Um, but that didn't happen. Moses pled to God. God brought a wind and brought the quail and then he got another wind and stirred them around the camp and they came down and fell down on the ground about two cubits. We're talking um, two cubits. We're talking nearly knee deep in quail so that everyone in the camp was able to gather quail and prepare food. They weren't going to starve. God was not going to let them starve. So God does provide. And here's a, here's a vision. I, I like this one. Mine wasn't 
as fanciful as this one, I, but I mean, I saw God still in Yosemite Valley, and it was very cool because it was at night, and the moon was not quite full, but the reflection out the snow, and it allowed me to see things. And as I could see the clouds moving across the face of my, I saw God. God was moving in the wind. And I could hear him. Anyway. So, in 2 Samuel, pardon me, I just saw some a note that I put down and I... I apologize, I'm going to head over there right quick. Patience with me, please. Make sure what I'm, I want to only give you good thing. Oh, I did. Ah, I already shared that one with you. Never mind. So now we have in... Second Samuel. I, I, I love this. This is very good. Now the prophet. Now this is talking about God. And I'm going to back up into a couple verses here. Uh, verse 7. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured coals. His mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet and he rode upon a cherub and did fly and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. I firmly believe in the sovereignty of my Lord, my God Almighty. And I tell you and anyone else this about that is if God wants to continue blessing others with his spirit and the Holy Spirit, which is described in the Bible in countless places in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is described as wind. It comes on the wind. And it isn't always, sometimes it's powerful. God might be agitated and comes as a strong wind. But more times than not, it comes as a gentle, like the still small voice. But you have to lean in and understand. You have to lean in and listen. You have to be willing to listen and do the will of the sovereign Lord God Almighty. So there you have it, brothers and sisters. You are in my prayers daily. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Be blessed. Go to the word of God. 
shared a lot of scripture with you. You can go through the word and read these sections. Stay true to his word. Seek his face. He will be found. Do not seek offense. Follow the calling of the Holy Spirit. Abba Yahweh. He just waits for you. He's a very good, loving God. Brothers and sisters, in my prayers going out and my coming in, be blessed.